Well, good morning and welcome again to this time of worship and time of studying God's Word together. Thank you for joining us, whether you're part of our Taylor's First Baptist Church family or whether you're just joining us uh, here or you're a member of another church or maybe not a member of any church and you're joining us here this morning for this time. I hope you've enjoyed the worship time and uh, I pray that God will continue to speak in these moments even as He has in our time of worship today. Uh, we're going to be looking at a text this morning in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 4. Hopefully you've either downloaded or you have there in front of you uh, on your phone or your computer uh, the message guide for today and you can follow along uh, on that as well. But let me lead us in prayer as we get started this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of worship that we've been able to share in together. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit will give us focus and direction and clarity as we look at your Word together. I pray, Lord, that you will teach us today uh, more clearly what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ, and you'll continue your great work of shaping us and forming us into His image. Is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a story recently about a little Mexican boy who several times a week would make the journey across the border from Mexico into the United States. And every time that he came to the border, he would be riding a bicycle. And not only was he riding a bicycle, but he would have slung across each shoulder a fairly large sack full of sand. And so he would ride up to the border. The border patrol agents would meet the little fella. They would look at him and they, they were pretty sure he was doing something he shouldn't be doing. He was smuggling something across the border. So every time he came to the border, the border patrol agents would make him get down on his, off his bicycle. They would search him. They would make him take those sacks of sand off his shoulder, pour them out there on the road, look through them. They would never find anything. And this went on day after day, week after week, month after month. The little fellow would pedal up to the border uh, on his bicycle. He would take the sacks of sand off his shoulders, dump them out on the road, and uh, the Border Patrol agents would never find anything. They were certain he was up to something, but they never could find anything. This went on, I guess, for six months or so, and then suddenly it stopped, and they never saw the little fella again. Well, one day, one of the Border Patrol agents was eating lunch in a little restaurant right there on the border, and he looked across, and in the corner booth there, he saw this little Mexican boy. And so he got up from where he was sitting, he went to that booth, and he slid in there right beside the little fella, and he said, okay, buddy, I want you to listen to me. I'm one of those Border Patrol agents that saw you come week after week, month after month, pedaling up to the border on your bicycle with those sacks of sand thrown over your shoulders. We knew you were up to something. We never could figure out what it was. Now look, I'm off duty, and whatever it was you were doing seems to have stopped because we hadn't seen you anymore. So I promise you, you're not going to get into any trouble, but I've just got to know, what were you smuggling? I know you were smuggling something. And uh, this big smile spread across the little fella's face, and he said, I was smuggling bicycles, senor, <laughs> bicycles. I, I think about that story, and I wonder sometimes if that's not a, 
a modern parable of life. We look at life and we look at the difficult things, the hard things we go through in life. And as believers, we say, God, I know you're up to something here. I know you're doing something, but for the life of me, I can't figure out what it is. I don't know if you've ever felt that way or not, but we're going to look at a text this morning that I hope is going to give us some help with that. What is God up to in the difficult times of life? And how do we, how, how can we come to a point where we are victorious over the trials and the difficulties and the hardships of life that come our way? You see, there's a question that we're constantly asking when we find ourselves going through those kinds of times. And that critical question is, God, what are you doing? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever felt that way? God, what are you doing? And we look and, and we try to figure it out, and because we can't figure it out, we get frustrated. Maybe we get hurt with God. Perhaps we get even, if we're honest, angry with God. Sometimes, maybe even we ask the same kind of question that the psalmist asked here in Psalm 22.1. Look at that verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Life's trials, difficulties, hardships, disappointments can drive any of us to that point of despair. Even Jesus Himself, you would rem will remember, uh, quoted these words of the psalmist while He hung there on the cross. Dr. Scott Peck, a graduate of Harvard University, a doctor of psychiatry, has written a best-selling book entitled The Road Less Traveled. And in that book, he deals with life and Life's difficulties, life's pain, uh, life's hardships, the things that threaten to knock us off our feet and drive us to despair. And in that book, he makes what I believe is a very profound statement. I've, I've quoted it for you there on the message guide, but let me just read it. So Dr. Peck says this, Life is difficult, and this is a great truth, one of the greatest truths of all. But once we see this truth and understand it and accept it, we can transcend it. Life no longer has to be difficult because once we accept it, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. It's a profound statement. And what I want to show you this morning is really the Word of God says the exact same thing. Life is hard. It is difficult. It is full of those experiences that we don't understand. And even as believers, even when we believe that God is up to something in the difficult times, we can't always see it. But if we will understand and accept the fact that life is hard, that this is part of God's plan, then if we can accept that fact, then we can transcend it and the fact that life is hard really will no longer matter. So, 
What do we have to learn here so that the difficulties of life can actually bless us and build up the persons that we are? Well, there are three things that I want to share with you this morning very quickly. What I'm calling three essentials for being able to triumph over the trials of life, the hard things, the difficult things, the things that we don't understand. Well, three things, and here's the first one. Number one, I must accept that life's trials are an absolute expected part of my Christian life. I must accept that life's trials are an expected part of my Christian life. At verse 12 here, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, we read these words. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Now, these sound like harsh words coming from the Apostle Peter. And let me tell you why they sound a little harsh. Throughout this letter up to this point, Peter has been writing to these believers and speaking to them in much the same way a father would speak to his children. These Christians were hurting. They were suffering. They were going through some difficult times, facing persecution. And Peter wanted them to know that he cared about them, that he loved them. He wanted them to know that, that he, he was concerned about all that they were going through. And, and he wanted them to know that everything was going to be okay. If I could use an analogy, it would be like this. When my own children were little and they would come to me and they had been hurt, say maybe the neighborhood bully had, had pushed them around or someone from school had given them a hard time or stolen their lunch money or somebody had called them names or had pushed them down. I tell you what I did with my kids when they were hurting. I would take them in my arms and I would sit them in my lap and I would make sure they knew that I loved them and that I was going to take care of them and that everything was going to be okay. But that's not what Peter is doing here in this verse. These hurting Christians come to Peter and Peter says, wait a minute, don't be surprised by this. Uh, don't act like you don't understand why this is happening to you just because you pray, just because you go to church, just because you're trying to follow Jesus. Listen, God has never promised you an escape from the difficult experiences of life. Don't act like you're surprised by this. Expect it. Now, Peter talks here about a painful trial, or some translations say a, a fiery trial or a fiery ordeal that these Christians were going through. Now, as I already mentioned, we know they were facing some pretty intense persecution, but I don't believe Peter's words are limited just to this. He, he could be talking about any painful experience in life, the everyday difficulties of life that we all go through, the, the, the hard times in life that are common to every single one of us. And he says, listen, don't think that these are strange things. Don't act like you're shocked or surprised when these difficulties and painful experiences come your way. You're not exempt from these things just because 
you're a Christian. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking because I, I've thought the same thing. Wait a minute. I don't understand this. When I'm trying to do all the right things, when I'm really trying to live my life according to God's Word, when I'm trying to follow Jesus, why do I have to go through these hard things in life? Well, I want you to look with me here at verse 13 because in this verse, Peter tells us not only that I must accept life's difficulties and trials as an expected part of my Christian life, but here he tells me that I must agree that these things are really an essential part of my Christian life. Life's trials are not only expected, they are absolutely essential. And I need to agree with that. Now again, I know what some of you are thinking. You might be thinking, Preacher, wait a minute. I can live my Christian life just fine without these things. In fact, I could live my Christian life better if I didn't have to deal with these things. Well, no, you can't. Look at verse 13 here because Peter says, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Now I want you to think about something with me for just a second. If you want to really walk close to Jesus, if you want to get to know Him better, if you really want your life to be a reflection of His life, and I, and I hope that you do, how can you logically think that you're going to be able to escape the difficulties and the trials and the painful experiences of life. You see, when Jesus walked on this earth, He, he faced trials and painful experiences and difficulties on a level that probably no one else has ever faced. His life was one trial after another trial after another trial. Hurt and disappointment and pain were Jesus' constant companions throughout His earthly life. And then ultimately, He hung on a cross and He gave His life because of those who were out to get Him. Suffering, pain, misunderstanding, hurt, disappointment, all of those things were part and parcel of Jesus' life. So think about this. If you really want to walk close to Jesus, what should you expect? Well, you should expect to go through the same kinds of things that He went through. Listen, church, when you pray a prayer and you say, Father, I, I want to be more like Jesus. I, I, I want to walk closer to Him. I, I want to become more like Him. When you pray those kinds of prayers, and I hope that you do, you need to understand you're praying for hardship. You're praying for difficulty. You're paying, praying for painful experiences in life because you cannot know Jesus better. You cannot walk with Him more closely and not go through the things He went through, not share in His sufferings because they go together. Let me show you one of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture. It's listed for you there, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Here the Apostle Paul is praying and he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection 
and the fellowship of what? The fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. They go together. See, this is, this is the prayer of a person who really wants to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus better, becoming more like Him, means that you're going to experience the same things Jesus experienced. Think about it this way. How will you ever be able to forgive someone? Show the kind of forgiveness that Jesus showed unless you really know what it's like to be hurt. How can you develop the patience and the long-suffering that Jesus demonstrated unless you know what it's like to go through a period of prolonged frustration? How can you really learn about the sufficiency of God until you come to the point where every other resource that you have is absolutely exhausted? How do you know that your faith is the kind of faith that will be able to stand until you've gone through some storms? How can you ever really experience what it means to be crucified with Christ until you're forced to come to a point where you have to totally die to self. You see, life's trials are not only an expected part of life, they're, they're absolutely essential if your desire is to be more like Jesus. Because the only way you can really know the Lord is to experience what He experienced. Now, let me insert a word of caution here because, because Peter does. Uh, and the word of caution is simply this. You can bring trials upon yourself because of your own sin, your own disobedience. And we need to understand that. First uh, Peter chapter 4, look at verse 15. Peter writes and he says, If you suffer... It should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. I mean, he names some, some things here that most of us are not guilty of, but then he talks about things like meddling into the affairs of others. It could, this could be anything. Uh, he, he, he lists some of the worst sins, I guess, here, but any sin can bring suffering upon us. We, we reap what we sow and we have to deal with the effects of our of our disobedience. So let's, let's make this very clear here, this, this word of caution. We can bring stuff on ourselves because of our own sinfulness, and if we do, then, hey, we deserve it. <laughs> That's not what Peter is talking about here, okay? He's talking about uh, the, the kind of difficulties that we face because we're Christians. And here's a word of truth that we need to use to balance this word of caution. The word of truth is this. Look at it. The trials that make me like Jesus are the trials that come because I am living like Jesus. Do you see verse 14? If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. You see, you see the difference here, I hope, in what Peter is talking about here. So he's not talking about suffering that we bring on ourselves because of our own disobedience. He's talking about the, 
natural suffering and difficulties of life that come our way as we talked about last week because of difficult circumstances and sometimes because of difficult people. So, number one, I must accept the fact. I must accept the fact that trials and difficulties are an expected part of of my Christian life. Number two, I must agree that these trials and difficulties are an absolutely essential part of my Christian life. And then number three, Peter says, I must allow life's trials to become an edifying part of my Christian life. I must allow life's trials to become an edifying part of my Christian life. Now that word edify means to build up. The trials of life can build me up. They can strengthen me. This is what Dr. Scott Peck meant by us being able to transcend these things or triumph over these things. These difficulties, these painful experiences can build me up. I say can because I've got a choice there and you've got a choice there as to whether or not we're going to allow them to build us up. Look at verse 19 here. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Peter writes and he says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will... Now let me stop there. I want you to notice again, suffering is part of God's will. Now we may not like that, and we may wish we didn't have to deal with that, but Peter's pretty clear here, right? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. So if life's trials are going to edify me, if they're going to build me up instead of tear me down, there are a couple of things that Peter says here that I must do. Let's look at number one. He says, number one, I must commit myself to my faithful Creator. I must commit myself to my faithful Creator. Now you may not know this, but this is one of the few times in the New Testament that the word Creator is used to describe God. Now, why does Peter use the word Creator here? Well, because he wants you to remember and he wants me to remember that God made us. He created us. And because He made us, because He's our Creator, He knows exactly what we need. He created our physical bodies. He gave us our unique personalities and our our unique makeup. Because of that, He knows exactly what and how much we can handle. He's our Creator. And not only is He our Creator, Peter says He is our faithful Creator. That means He's not going to let us down. He's not going to leave us to struggle on our own. And he says we need to commit ourselves to God as our faithful Creator. And that word commit is an important word. It was borrowed from the financial world of Peter's day. And literally, this word means to deposit something in a place of safe keeping. Now, I, like many of you, I guess, in the place where I bank, I have something called a safe deposit box. 
Now, now let me tell you what's not in that safe deposit box, okay? I don't keep my old socks in there. Uh, I, I don't have a spare toothbrush in there or a pack of fish hooks or last week's TV guide. I don't, I don't keep those kind of things in my safe deposit box. That box is reserved for the things that are really valuable to me. And I, I put those valuable things in that safe deposit box because I believe that when I put them there, they will be safe, they will be secure, and I don't have to worry about something happening to them. Now when Peter says, when you're going through trials and difficulties, you need to commit yourself to your faithful Creator, he's saying a couple of things. Number one, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm valuable to God. He's saying, you're valuable to God. You have infinite worth in God's eyes. And He is watching everything that happens to you. He's aware of everything you're going through. And He cares because you're valuable to Him. That's the first thing that this means. The second thing that it means is this. He is going to keep me safe. He's going to keep you safe. He's going to take care of you when you're going through, as you're going through this difficulty. So commit yourself. Put yourself in the hands of your faithful God who values you and who has promised to take care of you no matter what you go through. That's the first thing I must do. I must commit myself to my faithful Creator. And then the second thing that Peter says I must do is, I must continue to do good. In other words, don't let the trials of life, the difficulties of life, the hard things in life keep me from doing and living the kind of life God has called me to live. That's always a temptation when we're going through hard times. Withdraw from God. Turn away from God. Get angry with God. Uh, Peter says, no, there are things God has called you to do and the fact that you're going through a hard time doesn't negate any of those things. Don't give Satan the opportunity to use that trial, to use that painful experience, to use that difficulty, to come between you and God, no matter what those tough times are. Press on. Keep going. I love what Paul says in Galatians 6-9. Look at this verse. So... Let's not get tired of doing what is good. And it's easy to get tired when you're under stress, when you're going through a difficult time. Paul says, let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up, no matter what you're going through. Yes, we've got to accept that these difficulties are really integral and expected parts of the Christian life. We've got to agree that they're essential parts of the Christian life if you want to be like Jesus. And then most of all, we've got to understand that God wants these to be edifying experiences in our lives, things that build us up and not tear us down. And they can if we entrust ourselves to our faithful Creator and we continue to do what is good. I hope that's an encouragement to you today. Heavenly Father, thank You for these moments. Thank You for Your Word. And Lord, as we continue to navigate through 
these days. And as we continue to deal with our own unique circumstances in our own individual lives, Lord, keep us focused on You, our faithful Creator. Lord, we thank You for these promises from Your Word. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now continue to uh, spend these moments with us as we worship together. We'll see you next week.